to the Vine Podcast. This is Rachel. You guys are in for a treat today. I am speaking with some dear friends of mine who it's actually been a while since we've gotten to talk or see each other, but I've been keeping up with what's going on in their lives and how God is using them. And I think that you guys would love to know some of what is going on where they are. And so today I have some friends Uh, We're going to stick to just their first names for security purposes, but these are my dear friends, Grace and Aaron. Hey guys, how are y'all? Hey! We're doing great. Glad to be here with you guys today. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, So briefly, I guess I'll give a little bit of background of how I know y'all and how you're part of my life. So we met when I was a college student, when we were all college students at First Baptist Church of Waco. And I think that the first time I met Aaron, if my memory is correct, I was at a meeting for a mission trip preparation and Aaron was there and I think that he was sitting next to me and I saw him and he had like a full on beard and I think I was a sophomore and I saw him and I was like, oh, he must be a grad student or PhD student (laughs) or something. (laughs) Um, and then I guess during the course of the meeting, I found out that he was a freshman, so he was actually younger than me. Um, but the beard really threw me off. <laughs> so to this day, he's still he's still rocking the beard. Um, but they are just wonderful people. They love Jesus. They're dedicated to His kingdom and serving Him. And we just became friends and served God together through our church and through. Um, mission trips and all of that and then uh, even we went to seminary together too so that's pretty cool um so the friendship extended for like I guess that all in all it was probably like seven years or something one more memory with Aaron I remember um he was sitting next to me in a missions class and he had some kind of like I just felt like there's something suspicious about him today like oh, God. Really like nervous story. <laughs> or like excited or like what's going on and I turned to Aaron and I was like are you going to propose to Grace today and he was like no <laughs> and then I find out like the next Monday that he had proposed to her so that was a Friday so he had proposed to her that day and I was like I'm trying to keep it a secret you know, try to keep it a secret keep it quiet and she's like, right at it immediately I'm trying completely transparent <laughs> I was like, you just like straight face lied to me. <laughs> oh, um, I was barely but, holding on that day. Yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, so tell us a little bit about who you guys are and how you're serving God. Absolutely. Yeah. So like Rachel said, we're Aaron and Grace. Um, we are serving with Pioneer Bible Translators which is an organization that primarily works with Bible translation, as you might imagine from the name. And if you're familiar with Wycliffe, we do very similar work to them, and we actually work very closely with Wycliffe in various places in the world. Um, so they're a little bit bigger, so a lot more people have heard of them, but we do a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we are serving in Northern Italy, and you might sit there thinking, why are you doing Bible translation in Northern Italy? Um, They do have an Italian Bible, but 
I am involved with translations that are happening in various places around the world. Um, and Italy is a spot where we were able to go and work with a team there that is also serving various projects in various places in the world um, and work with them to help support these projects. Yeah, and, and with my role, I actually work with those who are coming to Europe um, from some from other contexts, places um, across Africa, places in the Middle East, coming to Europe um, as immigrants and refugees. Um, so in some ways, we're asking the question of what does Bible translate look like, translation look like in a European context with people who speak different languages and making sure also people have access to, um, to scripture in their language, um, as well as looking at local ministry and how we can connect with, with our neighbors who, who come from different places. Hmm. That's awesome. So what did it look like for you guys getting to Italy? Was it obvious that that's where you were going to go at first or was that a process? <laughs> Definitely a process. Yes. Um, we looked at several different options. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, this was totally a God thing that we ended up here. Um, we were finishing seminary and looking at kind of what came next. We'd had a couple things fall through. And I happened upon an internship job description, actually, with Pioneer Bible. And it read that they were looking for someone who had a background in um, biblical studies and linguistics, um, stubborn, willing to attempt the impossible, <laughs> interest in refugees a plus. And I looked at Aaron and I said, they're talking about us. And this is, we need to call the recruiter. Um, so we did. And mm -hmm. um, we talked with this recruiter before seminary, so three or four years earlier, yeah. and it just wasn't the right fit at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and several of our seminary experiences and just kind of as God had been working in those past several years had really changed that, um, mm -hmm. both in our lives and in our hearts, but also in the organization itself um, over the course of those couple years. So... Yeah, and for that internship very quickly became a, hey, we'd like to do this full time. And that was something that the internship was definitely something that was a, someone taking a small bite out of a very big piece that they would love a lot yeah. more help with. Um, so particularly with the the refugee dynamic, they'd only begun you know, dipping their toe into the dynamics of what it looked like to have people serving um, the refugee community there in Italy. So that was something that we, I was able to come in and really uh, expand what they were doing. Uh, and that's something that they were very excited about getting to, getting to do in a really a proactive way in a, a full-time way. Yeah. Yeah. What has been some of the most surprising circumstances that you've walked through since you've been on the field in Italy? COVID. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that was a surprise. Uh, yeah. So we have been in Italy for about three years at mm -hmm. this point. So we're still in what would be referred to as our first term. Um, newbies, if you will, on the field. And two years in, um, if you've been following international news, um, two years in, we went into full lockdown um, near where we were living. So yeah, I definitely would say that's m the most surprising circumstance as both of our jobs shifted entirely online. Um, 
I think that we, there were some things that were challenging that we were not able to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we definitely saw God work in the midst of that. Um, It really was a way that we were able to get to know Italians around us in a different way um, that we were there and we were doing this with them. And that will, I think, forever impact our relationships there with churches and with people. And I think that's really just going to be a great blessing long term. Um, our connection with the Italian church as we look to partner with them in the work that we and they are doing together. Um, and the other thing is that for my work, um, I primarily at this point serve as an exegete. So I help check translations from different projects. Um, but I am also training to be what we call a consultant, which is another level of checks that we do on projects right before they go to print. And having people at home and locked down and not able to go do other things um, really gave me an opportunity to interact with a lot of different projects as they went online and Mm -hmm. make some real progress in that training. Um, So I will probably be able to get a lot further in that training than I would have been able to if we'd been going about our lives as normal. Mm, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you started talking a little bit about Bible translation. Can you give us a snapshot of what that process looks like for people that are not familiar? Definitely. It's something we had to learn a lot about as we were looking yeah. at this um as we were looking at this opportunity. Yeah, so typically um there are well, there are definitely um thousands of languages in the world that have that are considered viable that people still speak them as their first language as their mother tongue that have not a word of scripture in their own language at this point. Um, And so what essentially happens is those languages are identified um, and depending on where they are, depending on what that people group is like, they're assigned to one of several Bible translation organizations. Like I said, we work really closely with Wycliffe and um, Faith Comes by Hearing, Seed Company, There's there's a handful of others, but they get assigned to an organization. Um, and what we hope happens is somebody comes in, um, usually an expat, someone who has some biblical studies training, someone who has linguistics training is able to come in and come alongside people from that language group. Um, so you end up with a translation team made up of people from somewhere else in the world, like I said, that have some of that study background along with native speakers of this language, because ultimately this is their Bible. Um, and they speak that language better than we could ever hope or pray to. And so it is definitely a partnership between multiple people. And mm-hmm. if there's a church present in the area between that church group as well. Um, so they work and they study and they draft. So their first step is a drafting process working through with native speakers to do, I mean, a rough draft, essentially, reading the text, working through questions. Okay, this is how we think that you would say that to make it make sense and have meaning um, in this language, what we call the target language. Once it gets drafted, um, it will be checked a number of times. The first check is an exegetical check. So that is making sure that we have kind of the basics, right? So you're looking for not so much, um, is this the right word? That should have already gotten handled in the drafting process, although it will get changed and refined along the way. Um, 
but making sure that we have the big ideas in the verse, that we didn't lose something somewhere, um, because that does happen, particularly at that early of stage. And this can include making sure that all your numbers are correct, that you have 10,000 instead of 10 million <laughs> baths of olive oil or something like that. Um, and other things just on that kind of cursory first glance through. They also get village checked, which is an old term, but community checked is really the better the better way to talk about that now. Um, where you go out with these drafts, and that have been a dish that have been checked the first time, and you read it with people, and you read it with young people, you read it with old people, you read it with men, you read it with women, you read it with people who have education, you have people, you read it with people who have never sat in a schoolroom in their life, um, to see what sounds right, what sounds weird. Have you picked a word that nobody has actually ever used in? 50 years so mm -hmm. none of the young people know what it means um, and you make adjustments based on the results of those and then you come back and that's when the consultant check comes in and that's a really big picture check so that's looking at consistency through chapters through books it's looking at linguistic issues um, we check metaphors is another big thing that get that happens in that step um vocabulary and um, so what we call key terms so things like temple you might not have an obvious word for temple so what are you going to call the temple in the bible um mm -hmm. and once it goes through consultant checking um it's ready to be printed so you're going to make sure you have all your punctuation marks and things like that um but at that point it's ready to be printed and that usually happens a book at a time. So you'll do the book of Genesis or the book of Luke. Mm -hmm. um, and different books could be at different stages of the process. Usually are. So a whole Bible usually takes about 20, 25 years. Um, a book can, theoretically, it could probably be done in about, I guess it would depend on how long the book is. Yeah. So that's not a good estimate. But a whole Bible takes probably 25 years. Wow. Um, it's a commitment. It's a, it's a commitment. It's a lot of work that put in by a, a, a wide array of people. Mm -hmm. Wow. So is it exciting? Do you feel like that? Do you feel invigorated to see that you're part of this, you know, big movement of bringing the scripture to people who don't have it in their language? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Easiest yes. question ever. Um, yeah. I mean, do you have anything to say on that one? Or? No, I, I just think it's, it's exciting to, to have people get to, yeah, have scripture in la their language that they can have in their hands, that they can hold, that that, 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 that can speak to them. Um, you hear story after story, people saying like, this is, this is, this is transformative because mm -hmm. I really understand now. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's really what we're shooting for is there's leaps people um, really being able to engage scripture in a way that really touches their lives. Yeah. Um, so, so anytime you get a glimpse of that, um, it's just really exciting. Um, mm. I was working on one project. It was actually my first time getting to sit in on a consulting session. We were doing the book of, I think it was Matthew. Um, I could be wrong about that. It was a gospel. And um, so I'm sitting here working with just kind of observing. Like I said, it's my first time. 
Um, but working with a language project in that the language is in Africa. Um, and part of what you do in these consulting sessions is you're going verse by verse because you're checking everything. Um, and typically what will happen is the person who is a native speaker who's helping you check it will read the verse um, in their language and then they will do what we call a free translation. So they'll come back and say, okay, that means, and they'll give it to you in English or French or whatever so language it is that you're working in. Um, and so this gentleman reads through the verse in his language and he comes back and translates it into English for us. And it was the story of the man born blind of the it was story of the man the blind man on the side of the road who cries out for Jesus 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 you know son of God have mercy on me and Jesus calls him over and says, what is it that you want and the way that this language structured it at the end of the verse was where the man's answer was so he, he's kind of the gentleman I'm working with is kind of working through it and parsing through it and he's thinking and at the end and he looks at all of us as he comes out this lesson. Lord, I want to see. And I realized that this was the first time that that cry had been uttered in this language, this cry to Jesus that they wanted to see and they wanted to see the hope that Jesus had. And it almost brought me to tears. <laughs> um, <laughs> just washing over like this people had never heard this language, they'd never had that experience and that hope that Jesus could offer. Um, and this was what we were a part of and that we were privileged and blessed to be a part of. And that moment was huge for me, um, just in kind of seeing what this was going to mean for these people that they could look and say, I want to see and get an answer. Mm. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Erin, do you have any moments that have been meaningful to you in your work with refugees, um, in the ministry that you've been doing there that have kind of been like that eye-opening or the experience that reminds you of your purpose and what you're doing? Yeah, I think for me, there's, I think it's kind of a, it's a trying to think of one, because there's just a mix of different opportunities um, from getting to meet people who are, I mean, particularly people who are just arriving in Italy, uh, being able to... Um, do anything from helping um, provide, helping them connect with different resources for beginning to construct a life, um, to um, getting to, I, one of the joys for me is getting to connect with all the different refugee churches that are across Italy. Uh, so just kind of getting to see these these vibrant communities. Um, but I think one particular joy is getting to, something I, I getting to build relationships between um, refugees and local churches. Um, and getting to kind of do some of those introductions. Um, yeah, because some are coming, because are, many are coming from a context where um, they aren't Christian. Uh, but there's also something I find fun is people who do come from a Christian background, but who are trying to navigate what their faith will look like in a new place. Um, so uh, that's been, I've, I've gotten to be part of some really neat introductions, kind of people not realizing there's even any refugees in their community to, okay, now how do we bring them in? Um, yeah, it's it's really it's, it's um I don't know. The the biggest thing is just kind of being a getting the opportunities to be a voice of 
of of hope and of, of dig, often of dignity, honestly. Um, that's have been probably the, the, some of the deeper conversations I've gotten to have. It's just kind of people feeling actually heard. I asking you, ask someone like you know, how'd you, like what's your story? How like how'd you get here? How long have you been here? Um, and it, it, the second they realize it's not an interview uh, they're doing, or it's not someone trying to get something from them, but someone someone looking to actually connect with them. Um, it's a really, I don't know, it's, it's always a really powerful moment for me yeah. um, to say like, no, I actually want to, I want to know you, the person, and welcome you, the person in this new place. Um, it's something that I've really enjoyed. And that's, that's a little vague, but it's just kind of a different opportunities I've gotten along the way. Um, to meet people in, the, yeah, people in their very first days, just trying to figure out, okay, I'm, I'm now in Italy. I didn't, I, know, I was not, I wasn't sure I was actually going to get here, but how do I actually... What do I do now? What does life look like now? So getting to be a part of those conversations and, and then speak hope into them. Because um, really for a lot of people, it's, it's a very difficult road um, to be able to offer a, a word of hope, offer it the, the, this idea that God is with them in the midst of their journey. Uh, it's just something that I've really, really loved getting to share. Yes. Coming alongside people and speaking hope. It sounds like your work, Aaron, is more pastoral um, it seems like you have more of kind of a pastoral care or a bit of a shepherding role. Do you think that's accurate, or how would you describe it? Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a big part of it. Um, it's really kind of having a, a, a compassionate ear um, is something that I, I find in my ministry context is just needed. Um, that that's where people's that's where people's pain. Are. And part for me is recognizing them often interacting with people who've experienced great pain. Uh, who've experienced some sort of trauma, who are largely disoriented. Um, so, so being able to approach them with a sense of, you know, that, that pastoral ear, um, that kind of slow, patient conversation um, has really been um, a big part of ministry for me. Um, it's something I really get to enjoy doing and really, um, really get to have some, some deep conversations with people about life and faith. I think something else that you've really enjoyed getting to do is helping to resource churches and ministries in yeah. Italy um, to ask better questions. Um, yeah, I, I think a, a big part of what uh, some a, a part of my role is getting to look at a bigger picture because uh, many churches have a, a very a picture of like a, what can we individually do in our context. What resources do we have? So getting to help connect people with larger resources, getting to help people connect with even things like scripture um, in a language they might not be able to have access to or connect with different people who are doing great ministry in other places. So uh, that's, that's been a lot of fun for me. Like, okay, you're having this problem, but there's someone who has this resource that could really help you. Um, it's just been a neat role for me to get to play. Because um, for, for individual churches, it's hard. Um, to build relationships with refugees in their community is time-consuming and work. Um, so any any sort of additional resources or connections I can help make have really been um, an encouraging part of the story for me. So you both have different roles, right? Is there Very anything that you all do together yeah. that's kind of an overlap or a partnership? We have a a vision that could happen someday. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So not very much. That's yeah. the easy answer is we don't, our work does not overlap very much. And um, there is a possibility that if projects are able to be worked on um, here in Europe, 
So if you're able to do like, let's say the community check process that I mentioned, that's actually a big question in linguistics right now is do you, with diasporas happening, with people moving so much, do you need to check those translations with people who have left um, to combat language change? Yeah. Um, or there might be contexts where it's hard to get in contact with people who are mm-hmm. in a country. So you might be able to do those checks in a place like Europe um, mm-hmm. where they might, you might have access to an immigrant or refugee community um, in a different way. So yeah. there, that's, that's something that's we're actively exploring mm-hmm. um, and trying to find opportunities for. Um, but but yeah, on paper, our roles are really quite distinct, which yeah. is something, <laughs> something, that, something that God really put together for us both to have meaningful roles in the same place. So yeah, in that situation where that could be something that people are doing or wanting to do because I'm trained as a translator, even though that's not actually what I do, I'm not working on one particular language, I can step in and help facilitate some of those processes here in Europe um, because I do have that training. Mm. So that could look like Grace, you're working on a language translation project for a country, let's say, in the Middle East. And then you have people from the Middle East who might be refugees to Italy, and you could do a community check with them there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's pretty neat. (laughs) So do you see that vision being able to take place uh, anytime soon? Or is it one of those, we'll see how COVID plays out kind of things? Well, it's all about opportunity, connecting with the mm-hmm. right language groups, connecting with the right people. Um, I'm in contact with different folks serving across Europe to connect, to connect with different language groups. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's mainly just kind of praying for and looking for the right opportunities is really the, the big next step there. Yeah, keeping your eyes and ears open to any connections or any of those possibilities. Um, But yeah, I think ultimately God will give you that direction and show you the path and how to make those connections because he knows all the people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we only know some. Yeah. So you have distinct roles, but do you each feel like you're both living into your individual calling or maybe your calling to serve the Lord together? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that was a part of the, the, I think the big part of the, how we got here is kind of being able to see, um, yeah, this kind of this parallel calling to to a, to the same place and having being part of a team on two different ends of a team, um, but but called to the same team um, was kind of a, a unique thing. And really, honestly, just finding an organization where our, where our passions and callings both fit was it was it was an aspect of discernment. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, but it's been, it's been neat to see it continue to play out and good to see. Again, our, our vision for these sort of things can be so limited. Our creativity for these things can be so limited. Um, so to see how God has been working in the midst of preparing this opportunity and then and having us be able to grow into these opportunities and find joy in them has really been, I don't know, just really affirming and really, really exciting to see. Awesome. Do you feel like you have learned more about yourselves or that God has revealed more to you about your strengths or weaknesses um, since you've been serving in Italy. Yes. Absolutely. That's <laughs> 100%. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, I think it's just such a clarifying experience. I mean, part of, anytime you move to a new place um, is really clarifying. Um, really trying to find, um, 
with both of our roles, we aren't we weren't necessarily jumping into um, clearly established things. If that makes sense, so kind of carving out our own our own spaces was really helpful to kind of, as you said, learn about ourselves and learn about um, where we where we we would fit best and kind of some of that continued discernment about how we use our our time well and um, what we invest in. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a process that we're continuing to, to grow into, but it's been really neat to see God working in the midst of it. Yeah. And what about, have you learned more about God himself? Or do you think that your service in this time that God has revealed more about himself to you? Oh yeah. I think I love, so in my role, um, I'm typically working on somewhere around six languages at any one time because it's very project-based. So you work on one language for a month and then you send it back to them and then you don't touch it for three months. And then you, so I rotate between different areas and it is so much fun and so eye-opening and has really changed how I read scripture to see how other people express these ideas. Um, so you run into these little things that seem like they don't matter, that seem like just, you know, oh, the author just said it that way. Why does it? But being able to come back and trying really to look at texts, to look at verses with new and fresh eyes and ask myself, well, why do I always read it this way? Um, particularly when someone else, like I said, these are partnerships that are happening on the ground and, when a team comes back to me and says, well, we really think that it would be best expressed this way. And so then I have to go back and say, okay, so why have I, why has this always been the way that I read it? Or just interesting ways of thinking about things. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I mean, you run into these vocabulary items that you know, okay, you don't have a word for chariot. So kind of the way that they work around getting a chariot, the image of a chariot, um, it's let me think a lot more about the metaphors that we see in scripture um, and how they speak to me. So teasing out, um, when I worked on recently, I was talking about the glory of God and what do you use for the word glory and what is the glory of God and how do we express the glory of God and how do we think about the glory of God? How do you explain what the glory of God is? And in trying to explain that to somebody else and to work out with someone else, how you best translate that, it requires you to come back and think about, you know, what do I believe about the glory of God? Um, and just that re-examining, I think has been really stretching and and but has helped me grow a lot in how I view God um just in a bigger way we serve a big God Mm -hmm. and um I just get reminded of that so often seeing um seeing how other people read and how other people see God and other parts of the church um of the global church see God and it's very humbling um but I consider it a great privilege to be able to be part of that with them. Yeah. 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 For me, I think it kind of fits I said, this kind of the bigness of who God is getting to interact mm-hmm. with, hear about what God is doing in so many different places. We can, we can get so mm-hmm. caught up in kind of the picture of what we have, what we see God doing around us or the things we hear about, but the, the God working in 
all these different contexts and working um, in these really fascinating ways in, in these in refugee communities and um, but having the mix of okay, God working across the world doing incredible things, but at the same time being able to offer a very personal hope of that God deeply cares about you and your story, you and your difficulty, you and your the ups and downs of your because that's, that's sort of a big thing I talk about. It's, a lot of people think that God isn't interested in them, who I interact with. Um, so kind of being able to affer- being able to both see the the massive picture of God, but also the intimate love of God, and kind of try to hold those at the same time. It's always just I don't know, a real place of encouragement for me. Yeah. Uh, so you guys are in the U.S. right now, um, yes. but you have been in Italy for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so. How long are you in the U.S.? What are you trying to accomplish? And what does that time look like for you guys? So we're here for three months. Um, we're here to see some family, mm-hmm. um, to eat some tacos. We've been away from tacos. <laughs> <laughs> for- <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so to just get a little bit of time there, we're um, checking in with our organization. And then we're meeting with families and with churches. Um we do raise support for Pioneer Bible Translators to help all of us do the work that we do. Um, so we're meeting with churches and families um, in the States to just talk about the work that we're doing, answer questions. We consider this a big part of our serve, of our work yeah. as well um, to, to help people here see what God is doing in the world. Like we said, um, we serve a big God and he's working in so many different ways in so many different places. Um, and to really help be a, be a witness, be a testimony to how he is working in other places. Um, yeah, so we're here talking with churches and families. I've said that like three times now. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to be doing that sorry, a lot. Sorry, we're going to be doing it a lot. Um, <laughs> just about the work and yeah. hopefully um, how they can be a part both through prayer and through gifts and just to help continue the work of God in the world. Yeah. Yeah, so, so take some some time here and then yeah, jump into um, a new season of ministry there in Italy um, later in the fall. So it'd be, it's kind of a, um, I don't know, a little time of, of time of, of, of rest, a time of sharing, um, but also ready for kind of a, a new, I don't know, a new, new season of ministry yeah. coming out of this yeah. as well. That's good. I hope that it accomplishes everything that you're hoping for this time, that you do get rest because that is really important. Um, So when you go back, is it a new season of ministry? Is it picking up where you left off? Or what will it look like when you hit the ground in Italy? I'll answer for me first. I mean, for me, it'll be a, I guess, renewed uh, season of ministry um, because so much of what I've had to do, it was altered by by covid dynamics uh, when we arrive back uh, things are going to be in a much more um, in-person oriented um, way of way of work so it'd be in some ways kind of a, a bit of a relaunch of um, some of the work I was doing previously and also expanding uh, the work that we were hoping to do uh, when it comes to local ministry really uh, one of the, the efforts has been to try to get a local ministry center going so being able to restart that effort um, is something that I'm really looking forward to. Um, and getting to, to do some more travel, so it is a part of some of our different roles is getting to travel and look, and look at other opportunities. And that's been 
something that's going to be a bigger part of this next season is, is jumping back into some of that. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of a, a mix of kind of um, restarting things that were existing, but also for us, uh, really expanding what we, we've been doing um, in some really pretty exciting and profound ways. Awesome. Yeah, I'm picking up right where I'm not sure I'm actually stopping. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's fair for you. <laughs> so with everything having gone online, it lets me keep doing some work while we're here in the States. Um, I'm actually working on a consultant check for First Kings for a couple projects in East Africa um, this week. So we'll be I'll be working on that this week. And then as soon as we get back or pretty soon after we get back, um, we're working on setting up a trip for me to go to West Africa to help get a new project started, actually. So, um, yeah, I, for my work, it's just we're Keep on keeping going. right on going, um, which is exciting to see how it's, it has been able to continue. And, yeah, so I'm super excited about that. Awesome. So is there anything that you think is important for Christians in Texas to know about your work or to know about how God is working through Bible translation, refugee ministry, or anything else? (laughs) (laughs) Any final thoughts is what you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will will say for for me, uh, there's... um, yeah, keep your eyes open to opportunities locally. Um, there are large refugee communities across Texas, including places where you might not expect, including um, places nearby where you live. Um, so do some, do some research, ask around for opportunities to get to, to connect with uh, refugees in your area. Um, it's a really powerful place of ministry. Um, and that's happening across Texas. Um, so that's, that's, that'd be one thing I'd point to particularly. Um, I don't think of anything else. Yeah, I mean, be thankful for your Bible that you get to hold in your <laughs> on your phone yeah. or in your hand or in whatever way, and remember what the, what a gift that is that a lot of people still don't have. Um, yeah, don't take that for granted. I think is the biggest thing, um, and just keep listening. I think is the other thing. I think we often get caught in our ruts of how we expect God to work and what we think he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And, um, I think if there's anything that we've learned over the past year and a half with COVID, both for us in Italy and in the United States and all over the world, um, things don't stop. God's work doesn't stop. Um, it just looks a little different sometimes. So just keeping our eyes open and our ears Mm -hmm. open and our hearts ready to hear, um, and whatever that might look like for our place and our time. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you guys. I'm really glad I got to get a little bit of an insider update on what's going on (laughs) with y'all. Um, I do read your newsletter. So if anyone is interested in getting that, you can just send me an email and I would be happy to, to share more with you guys about what they're doing or to connect you um, with Erin and Grace. Um, was, is that also the best way, if anyone's interested in supporting you guys, is the best way for them to just send me an email to get connected with you? Yes, that would be. And we can get all the information to you. That'd be great. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I really love y'all and appreciate your time and what you're doing in the world. Like, it's just amazing. Um, I can't think about it too long because I'll cry and I don't feel like crying this afternoon. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, just thanks. And um, 
Aaron, would you mind closing us in a word of prayer today? Absolutely. Well, Lord, just thank you so much for um, how we get to see you at work in the world, how we get to see you at work in our lives, Lord, how you um, how you use us in, in unique ways that, that fit who we are, that fit who you make us to be, um, that you include us in the work of your kingdom, um, Lord, that you, um, get, you allow us to have relationship and, and work with people from all over the world, Lord, the way that your kingdom um, the way we get to be a part of your, your global uh, work, Lord, the, the kingdom that, that we get to see and, and be a part of. Lord, we just pray for opportunities to get to, to share the hope that we have, opportunities to provide a word of compassion, a word of, um, in, uh, of encouragement, uh, a word of hope, um, where we get to. Lord, just thank you for the gift that is your word, the gift that we get to um, continually be transformed and renewed by coming to Scripture. Just the gift that that is that we've received and get to share. And Lord, just thank you for the ways that you're working in our lives, the ways that you're working in our churches and our communities. And Lord, we we lean on you, we depend on you each and every day. Lord, thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.